Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I'm also the founder of the Menopause Charity. In addition, I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Clinic here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So I want to welcome to my podcast today, Julia Thompson, who manages the Specialist Nurses Helpline for the charity, the Royal Osteoporosis Society. Some of you might know it as the National Osteoporosis Society, but it was renamed in the recent past. So welcome, Julia. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So some of you might be thinking, well, this is a menopause podcast, so why the hell is she talking about osteoporosis? And even what is osteoporosis? So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk a bit about bones because a lot of women think about menopause as something that causes some flushes and sweats. And maybe some people know there's an increased risk of heart disease when women don't have hormones in their body But osteoporosis, just explain what it is, Julia, because a lot of women get very confused as to what it is. So just Mm. explain what it is, if you don't mind. Well, the consequences of osteoporosis are really quite simple. We break bones more easily than we should. But the lead up to that is a deterioration in in bone strength Mm. that really starts quite early. And I think certainly, you know, menopausal age is a really good time to start thinking quite seriously about risk factors, starting to think about discussions with GPs about risk for osteoporosis and and discussions around bone density scanning. Of course, we can be thinking about it well before menopause. And I think we all should be just thinking bone health and educating ourselves about the sorts of things that we all have in our power to influence, which are going to have an impact on us later in life and reduce the risk of those awful fractures, which, Mm. you know, I'm sure everybody hears about elderly friends and relatives who've broken a hip or noticed height loss and the curvature that's associated with the condition. And, you know, if we can do all we can during our younger years to keep our bones strong, keep our bone in the bank, if you like, so that when we all start to lose, which unfortunately we do, we all start to lose bone strength, bone density, we're losing from a higher point, really. Yeah, Yeah. that's a really good point. Is it because osteoporosis doesn't really cause symptoms, does it? There must be millions, if not billions of people around the world with osteoporosis, but they don't know, like you say, until they have a fracture, do they? Absolutely first sign so unless you've had a bone density scan or you've broken a bone easily you don't know that you've got the condition so being aware of your risk factors is a really important thing I think to educate yourself about what sorts of things might put me at increased risk and what are the factors then then? well being female (laughs) is a big yeah age you know as we get older all of us as I already said will lose bone but there are things like smoking and alcohol intake which we can control ourselves but also there are some medicines that are used in the treatment of other conditions some medical conditions themselves can all impact negatively on our bones so not letting it preoccupy ourselves but just being aware that oh I'm on this drug therefore I may need to think about bone health 
as a consequence of taking that drug. Because there's lots of things people can do. Mm. So, yeah. so one of the big drugs is steroids, isn't it? So yes. um, um, lots of people have been on steroids in the past. In fact, I saw someone recently in my clinic who'd had ulcerative colitis and she'd had lots of courses of steroids and didn't know yeah. that it could affect her bone strength. Yes, I think it is something because as you say, people have been on, on them a long time and maybe those discussions that they had right back at the, when they first started taking them perhaps didn't happen in those days. So they've been happily taking these steroids and not really realising that these can impact quite severely on on bone strength so yeah we don't want to leave it too late I think that's the point so you said women are more prone to osteoporosis so why is that well I think there's two things I mean firstly women don't achieve the same level of bone density when we're all building our bone strength during childhood and adolescence and we get to the grand old age of 30 something and we plateau and in those years when we're building our bone strength women don't accrue such a high bone density as men so we start off with that against us and then obviously as women we go through a rapid period of bone loss associated with menopause when we lose that protective effect of estrogen so that coupled with the lower peak bone mass if you like puts us at increased risk it's a double whammy it's still common in men though Mm. and I think that's something that's important to to just to look after our, our male relatives and friends because although you know, it's less common. It's still one in five men will have so a So one in five, that's 20%. Yeah. That's a lot, yeah. isn't it? And then yeah. on the Royal Osteoporosis Society, the figures for women are huge. Just remind me yes. what they are. Half, you know, one in two. So these are big, big numbers. Mm. And, you know, certainly these are fractures that occur when we're older. And some of them may not be due to osteoporosis, but one in two women will break a bone mostly due to osteoporosis and one in five men. So huge, really massive. Yeah. And it's not just, yeah. so I've, one of my daughters is very accident prone and she's broken various bones <laughs> over the years, but she's young, she's fit, she, you know, gets yeah. on. It's not quite the same, is it, when you have an osteoporotic fracture? Talk no. around, for example, if someone has an osteoporotic hip fracture when they're elderly, mm. It does cause death, doesn't it? It's not just it about is. springing back. Exactly. It's really serious when we're perhaps quite fragile anyway. And, you know, just about coping, perhaps maintaining independence at home and having a fall and breaking a hip is a massive assault, really. And I think obviously there is an anaesthetic involved with the treatment of the injury as a stay in hospital and all of these things for somebody who's already quite elderly and fragile may mean that they can't return to independent living or unfortunately they may not survive so these are very very serious injuries in a population of Mm. people who are really very vulnerable yeah yeah absolutely and I, I mean I've certainly seen lots of elderly men and women who have just about been okay at home just tottering yeah. around getting to yeah. and then they trip over the carpet or a rug or up the step yeah. and that's it they never go back home again and exactly. it's dreadfully sad but a lot of people think about hip fractures and maybe wrist fractures because that's very common isn't mm. it wrist fractures in women but it's the fractures that you don't know you've had that actually are the ones mm. that I'm scared about so my mm. back so Talk me mm. through what, what problems people have us yeah. with their spine. It's the hidden one. These are people perhaps who don't always go to the GP. They perhaps are living at home, perhaps just thinking this is a consequence of aging you know mum lost height I'm now losing height I've got back pain I can't reach the cupboards anymore my clothes don't fit I really can't find clothes that suit me you know we really hear really sad stories from women who can't bear to look in mirrors because they've really taken care of their appearance throughout their life and suddenly you know they 
have a protruding tummy, which is quite common with vertebral compression fractures where everything's pushed forward. And there are huge numbers of people that we, we just don't know how many there are because these are people who don't, they're not counted in hospital. No, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. And they have so many needs, really. And a lot of um, women I've seen over the years, they quite often have problems with breathing because they're so bent yeah. over and also even digestion, can't they? Because yeah. All of these are consequences of of a shortened torso, really. If you imagine that the spinal column is shortened, so everything that exists in that space is having to exist in a smaller space. And tummy gets pushed forward. As you say, people become breathless. Even some people have to spend a penny more often, can't tolerate big meals anymore. So there's lots and lots of consequences of these fractures. Yeah. Yeah. And treatment is quite difficult isn't it actually and you say Mm. obviously if you have a fracture you can repair but then that can be quite hard sometimes because the bone around has got thinning in the osteoporosis but you can't zap the whole body in an easy way can you to build bone I mean what what no it's a tricky one and I think the treatments for osteoporosis really are aiming at working on that bone loss process that we've talked about are perhaps slowing that up. Most of the treatments for osteoporosis work on the cells which break down bone and slow up their action. But I think we get lots and lots of calls from people who get really quite obsessed with this and I want something that builds bone. And I think what we have to remember is that in all the studies where these treatments were found to be so effective, people didn't break the bone so often. I mean, and it's the fractures we have to remember. And if you've got a high risk of fracture and you're on a drug treatment, that fracture risk is reduced. Yeah, and it, it is important isn't it? because it's not, it's obviously what our bones look like, but it's about what they're like when they fall. And yes, um, yeah. you know, if the bone is almost too hard, someone said to me once, it's a bit like glass, it will shatter. Yes. So you yes. have to be really careful. You want bones a bit bendy, like with babies' bones, yeah. they're very bendy. Yeah. So if they yeah. fall, they're less likely to break, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. it's finding a balance, isn't it, between mm. the strength and the sort of architecture mm. of the bones. But obviously I'm very biased because all I do is think about hormones. But um <laughs> you know, estrogen helps build bone, doesn't it? It's very it does, important. Yes. Yes. Um, This is why you're saying this rapid bone loss that occurs during the perimenopause and menopause. And it's very quick, isn't it, actually, for a lot of people? Yes, yes. Because of the low hormone levels that occur. Um, And also in men, obviously, testosterone is very good for building Mm -hmm. bone. And um, we know around probably... 30% of men have low testosterone and I'm sure they're probably similar to the 20% or so of men who have osteoporotic fractures, Mm -hmm. isn't it? I'm sure there's an overlap there. But women have testosterone as well, of course, and we produce more testosterone than estrogen and there's been some very good work showing how testosterone is beneficial at reducing Mm. osteoporosis too. So it can't be neglected, especially with younger women it's really important, isn't it? So as a lot of you are listening, know about one in a hundred women under the age of 40 have an early menopause. And sadly, a lot of these women are not given HRT, they're not given any hormone treatment, but we know from the guidelines they should because of Mm -hmm. reducing future risk of fractures. And the longer they have without hormones, the more likely they are to have osteoporosis, aren't they? And I think also, you know, when you're we're treating younger women who have gone through menopause early, I think using a hormone replacement at that time is going to treat, obviously, the menopausal symptoms they're getting as well as keeping their bones strong. And I think also that's a benefit because then 
we can hold off using the non-hormonal treatments till later in life. Because one of the things that's come out over the last few years is good evidence that we can't use these drugs continuously for many, many years. So it could be that HRT is the best choice Mm. in a younger woman. And then you can move on to other treatments later in life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And certainly the evidence is very clear that women can continue taking HRT because you're just replacing the missing hormones. So it is very different because the non-hormonal treatments for osteoporosis, certainly when I was doing hospital medicine in the 90s, I would give them to everyone because we've had fractures and you would prescribe the uh, bisphosphonates and then they realized that there were some problems with some of them didn't they and and so now often we give a drug holiday so people have them for three or five years depending and then have time off Mm. and we don't know the long-term data in the same way obviously HRT has been around for decades so we know that it has more benefits and risks and it's important but it's also important as a doctor that you've always got something else up your sleeve isn't it because You know, there are going to be people, even those on taking HRT, who are going to develop osteoporosis. So nothing mm-hmm. is a guaranteed mm-hmm. prevention. So it's useful. But if I was choosing a bisphosphonate for myself, I would want to try other things, especially if I was young, and save yeah. it for the time that's really important. I don't know if yes. you agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think leaving non-hormonal treatments really until people are at high risk of fracture mm. is the way that I think that they're used now. We know they work relatively quickly. And as I said, we can't use them for lot, hugely long periods of time. So let's reserve them for when we really need them. Keep our powder dry, if you like. Yeah. Which is really important. And then there are other ways, aren't there, of keeping our bones strong. And so other than obviously HRT or the bisphosphonates or the other drugs, we also, you were saying about ways of preventing bones becoming thin. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. diet is really important, isn't it? What, what do yeah, you advise about diet? Well, throughout life, I think, you know, we know that a good, well-balanced diet is important for so many reasons, but it's hugely important for bone health. And obviously the big nutrients that we always think of are calcium and vitamin D, but there's a whole range of other nutrients that we need to keep bones strong. And I think if you're having a good, well-balanced diet with all the food groups in the right ratio, you can really feel reassured that you are really setting your bones in a a good state. So yes, it's very important. And obviously there are supplements, but they're useful certainly if people can't get what they need from their diet yeah, yeah. so I mean certainly everyone men and women and children should take vitamin d shouldn't they because it's very yes. hard yeah, to get certainly. that from the, yeah there's not yeah. much in diet even in the best diet in the world yeah. and it's still certainly over the winter months it's very hard to get enough yeah. sunlight isn't it for absolutely vitamin yeah. d so, yeah. so vitamin d but some people think well they should take calcium as well but actually you should be able to get it from your diet shouldn't you yeah calcium. absolutely and I think you know the charity website does have some quite useful Mm. tools to help people because the question is well how do I do that and and we do have some really useful information about making sure that you're getting that magic sort of 700 milligrams a day from your food and higher if you've got a diagnosis of osteoporosis but yeah it's doable certainly and and I don't think you know we want to take supplements unless we have to unless of course it's vitamin d calcium a lot of people prefer to get that from their food and then take a vitamin d supplement on top 
yeah, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. And also it's important, as you say, when we're younger in adolescence, building our bones, that's a yes. really important time to look at our children's yeah. bones, isn't it, as well? It really is. It's a very precious time and it's a challenge. It really is to try, you know, and get messages like bone health across to a young group who, yeah. you know, are struggling with messages that really do apply to them at the time. Because what we're actually trying to say to somebody is do something now to prevent something happening in the future. And the tragedy is that whilst we're building our bone density, it's a finite time. You know, we don't have long to actually influence that peak bone density and then we will all start to lose. So getting as much in during childhood and adolescence is is crucial. It's really important, isn't it? And I think certainly as people's diets change, they often have fads, you know. I know my children have gone through phases of not wanting to eat meat and I don't eat meat, but I have a very healthy diet and they look at some of the food I eat and there's no way they'd eat it. And I said, it's not just about (laughs) stopping something, you know, and if you don't have dairy, then you can't just think, well, I'll just stop dairy. Or of course you can stop dairy, but you have to think about what you're going to have instead. instead. And that's what's really important. And it can be quite misleading unless you know what you're doing and and when you're young of course we all have done it we've got away with eating all sorts of rubbish and it doesn't matter you still look okay but it really does affect your internal structure and framework and without our bones you know we can't function can we so yeah yeah, really important so and exercise obviously is key hugely hugely important and I think you know there's been some really interesting studies looking at astronauts for example which have showed us they're really awful effect that a sedentary or, or completely non-weight bearing lifestyle can have on our bone strength and when it, obviously these are fit young men put them back down on earth and they quickly accrue the bone they've lost but if you equate that to an older person perhaps or somebody who's working in an office and not getting out of the chair all day you know the, the effects of a sedentary lifestyle are so so damaging to bone and certainly um, yeah. now as we're doing this we've got covid around us so most of us Absolutely. are sitting down i mean i in my clinic i've got a lovely staircase so i can run up and down a few times a yeah. day yeah but you know it's even harder isn't it to get exercise actually because we're sitting in front really? of the screen all the time and that must be yeah. dreadful for our backs and our, yeah. our bones. I think, you know, lockdown and certainly the situation we find ourselves in now has not been good. And I think certainly, as you say, exercise has been a huge issue. People sometimes when they were shielding were reliant on other people doing shopping for them. And so they weren't in control of what they were eating so much. So people were really anxious about getting things right. But the other big thing, I think, with exercise, which is a massive issue for people who've got the diagnosis of osteoporosis, is that they're frightened. They don't know what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And that is a constant dilemma. And and we do have, again, some really useful exercise resources on the website written with just this in mind, you know, read these, do these exercises and you can feel reassured that they're safe for people who've got fragile bones. I think it's quite frightening, isn't it? If you haven't exercised, you don't know where to go, do you? And you don't want to suddenly in your 60s, 70s, maybe if you've had a fracture, suddenly go to the gym and do a hit class. It's not going to be. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But just some simple measures, you know, even more. going up the stairs a bit more or you just know. little things. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You know, I used to say walk to the next bus stop. Yes. That's not really real life at the moment. No. But uh, yeah, just tiny things. Which yes, are just... I know my grandfather was incredibly active and he used to resist having a new 
newspaper delivered so he yeah. would just walk and go and get the newspaper and, really um, good idea. and it was just it wasn't too far and it was great and it got mm. him out every single day rain or shine because he wanted to read his newspaper yeah. so you know yeah. if I, I said to him do you exercise he would say no but he walked um, more than yeah. most so yeah I think, you know, if we think of it as a spectrum with immobility at one end and, you know, the really high impact aerobic exercise at the other, the further you can get away from that immobility along that line, the better. And that might just be, as you say, just doing a little bit walking, using the stairs more often, just doing what people can really without obviously putting themselves at risk of falling and fracturing. Because the other thing we've talked about, obviously bones becoming weaker, but our muscles become weaker. We get this sarcopenia it's called, isn't it? So it's a loss of muscle density as well as strength. And we need our muscles to support our bones, don't we? And so also, you know, if we fall, we want to be able to get up from our fall. We want to try and stop ourselves falling even by putting our arms out. And if we don't have any muscle strength, that can be really difficult. And also, if we have a fracture, our recovery will be better if our muscles are stronger, won't they? Absolutely. And I think, again, you know, the fact sheets on the website, um, there's nine of them, and they are looking at muscle strength as well as the sort of weight bearing aspect. They're both hugely important. It's really important. Yeah. So, so tell me a bit about the Royal Osteoporosis Society, because your role is obviously really important helping people. But yeah. just tell a bit about the charity, if you may, and then what your role yeah. is for them. Well, the charity, I can't remember exactly. I think we're 30 years. I think we've been going a long time. And we're lucky enough to have our royal president, who is hugely helpful to us in raising our profile. We do a lot of different types of work. We obviously do that. We call it beneficiary facing things like the helpline. In a normal world, we have a, a network of support groups, which are obviously opportunities for people to meet other people with the condition. And we are now moving towards producing digital meetings for people to have locally, which I think is really important. We obviously have a research arm, fundraising, a media team, a communications team. So we do do a little bit of everything, really, as a charity. And the role I have with my team is that we have a free helpline. We're really lucky to be able to offer a free helpline number to anybody who wants to use us. And we're open nine till one and then two till five, Monday to Friday. It's a busy helpline, but if anybody's got any questions at all, we'd love to speak to them. We're all specialist nurses on the line. You can email us. You can even write to us still. Oh, amazing. Um, I know. And we are hoping to get back into live chat later this year. That's something we did offer prior to March when we had to sort of scale in what we could offer as a charity. But now things are improving. We hope to offer live chat via our website as well. So a range of ways that people can get in touch. Which is really great, isn't it? And it's interesting you're saying about a media team because osteoporosis isn't a very media-friendly condition, is it? I don't think I've ever seen it's it on not. the front page of a paper. No, no, it really is a struggle. And I know that our new chief executive is really keen that we do get ourselves out there. We have done some work recently looking at awareness of osteoporosis and it's low. It's, mm. it's shocking amongst people who perhaps don't have an interest and really we can't expect to have conversations with people about osteoporosis if they don't understand bone health so one of the things we're doing for world osteoporosis day which is the 20th of october is working with a partner vitabiotics to put some online bone health quizzes on our website and via social media just to educate people about the condition and, and try and get 
people who perhaps don't have a family member or a personal connection with a condition just to think about bone health because it's so important. Yeah, so, I mean, I struggle with menopause, as you know, because it's such a derogatory term almost and so negative yeah. and people just think, oh, it's a bit of hot flushes. And, and in yeah. fact, I really want to rebrand it so we think about it as a long-term hormone deficiency mm-hmm. with health risks. And as you probably know I've recently founded the menopause charity and we want to do collaborative work with other charities and so in the future we'd lovely to have your charity and our charity together doing some work and some awareness because people would think menopause osteoporosis oh sorry Mm. I've got no idea because it never reaches the only time the menopause reaches the headlines would be if there's a scare about HRT and it's all about misconceptions and Mm. osteoporosis I just think the only time I've really read about it in the paper is about brittle bone disease. Yeah. And yeah. often it's not really brittle bone at all. No. No. So there's so much confusion. And actually, it's quite hard to diagnose osteoporosis or even osteopenia because mm. to look at your bone density, you can't do it by an x-ray, can you? Just a normal x-ray. No. Absolutely. You have to have lost quite a lot of bone to actually for it to show up on x-ray. X-ray is really good for looking for fractures. But if we want to assess bone strength and diagnose osteoporosis, it is a special scan, a bone density scan, which people need to and access. they're quite hard to yeah. come by, actually, aren't they? Yes. You know, I think certainly in some areas, waiting lists are shockingly long. And also, obviously, during the COVID pandemic, a lot of services closed so they're out now reopening but there's a backlog unfortunately Mm. as you know my clinic is private because I can't get a job in the NHS doing menopause work because there's Mm. not enough funding in the NHS so we have actually got the luxury of having a DEXA scanner here and one of the reasons I decided to invest in one is because even though local private hospitals don't have a DEXA scan which is quite something isn't it you know absolutely um, and things are changing but I know certainly when I was younger and doing hospital medicine when someone had a fracture they would never be assessed for osteoporosis at all no. or have, no. or have a DEXA scan but actually like you say it's almost too late to wait yes. to have a DEXA scan until you've had a fracture because you can make the yeah. diagnosis if someone's yeah. tripped over and had a very low impact fracture then they're likely yeah. to have osteoporosis. Yeah. So it's capturing people. I mean, I personally had a bone density scan when I realised I was perimenopausal just before yeah. I started HRT because I wanted to know what my baseline yeah. bone density was. And also, I guess I wanted to see if it's going to improve on HRT, but also I wanted to see if my lifestyle was good enough for my bones. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I think that's really important, isn't it? Because I know mm. that, oh, yes, well, okay, I do exercise and I eat well, but has that been any reflection on my bones? And yeah. I'm sure you've spoken to people, and I certainly have quite a few patients who've had a DEXA scan for the same reasons as me as a baseline, and they've been diagnosed with osteoporosis, no family mm. history, no risk factors. Mm actually quite fit people but when I talk to them again they've probably been doing not quite the right exercise Mm -hmm. but still it's been a real shock for them and one lady wrote about her experience on my website because she was absolutely beside herself she could not believe but she was so grateful that she'd found out when she was 50 and she'd never had a fracture but it that's really important isn't it but it's quite hard when you can't access really hard it's it's the challenge and it is the holy grail to prevent that first fracture it's much easier to diagnose after a fracture that's happened easily that's the sort of low-hanging fruit if you Mm. like the challenge is to get them before that fracture absolutely and and I know there are some places aren't there that do 
like an ultrasound heel or there's a wrist yeah. one, but they're not gold standard, are they? So no, you have to be no, very I careful, I think, if you're going to these yeah. places. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and certainly, as you know, our scanner, we have a really good report by Professor David Reed, who you know, who's done oh, a podcast. Marvelous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's so wonderful. Because it is about the position of the patient and it's also about the reporting is really important. Mm-hmm. So it can't just be a press a button, here's your report, no, off you go. Absolutely. And that's yeah. why I think it's so difficult in the NHS because it's a big investment, isn't it? It's mm. very difficult making sure it's the right equipment with the right staff doing yes. the investigation and then the right person reporting as well. Yes. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a long way to go, but certainly the charity mm. work is fundamental, isn't it, really? Absolutely, yes. And, yeah, um, I think so. You know, the longer we live, we're here for longer, aren't we? So we're more likely to have osteoporosis. And if we can yeah. work to prevent osteoporosis, it's going to save the NHS a huge amount of money, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. And I think it's really short-sighted when we occasionally speak to people who are being refused treatment on cost grounds because, you know, if we can prevent these fractures if we forget about the personal cost of a fracture, which is immense, and look at in hard-nosed terms at the money, I mean, a hip fracture is hugely expensive to the NHS. And if we can prevent those through, you know, raising awareness, getting people's lifestyle improved, and obviously taking appropriate medication where necessary, then if we can reduce the risk of hip fractures, that's going to be hugely cost-saving. Yeah, I read something that it's about £2 billion a year that the NHS spend on osteoporotic hip fractures. It's a huge amount of money, and only about 10, 15% of women take HRT. So if we could Mm. increase that amount, you would reduce (laughs) fracture, wouldn't you? So it would save, and for the NHS, HRT costs about four quid a month so it would never yeah. it would be quite a lot of women to get to two billion pounds <laughs> yeah. so yeah so there's a lot that needs to be done but I think having conversations is, is great so mm. I'm really grateful mm. that you've taken up your time to talk about absolute it pleasure so no lovely to talk to you so before we finish I would oh. really be grateful for you to give me three take-home tips for mm. people who want to reduce their risk of osteoporosis. So what are the three key things that they should do if they've listened and think, right, I've got to think about my bones? What would you recommend? I would say it's lifestyle. So look at your diet, make sure that you're keeping as active as you can. And I think thirdly, you know, if you feel you're at risk for any reason, have a conversation with your GP to get the ball rolling. I think mm. that's hugely important. Absolutely. So really important to learn, talk and seek advice if you think you're at risk or indeed you've had a fracture and no one's spoken to you about the potential of osteoporosis and certainly head over to the Royal Osteoporosis Society website for more information Mm -hmm. and start exercising. It's never too late. (laughs) Never too late. Absolutely. (laughs) So brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Delia. It's been really useful. Thanks ever so much. Absolutely. For more information about the perimenopause and menopause, you can go to my website, menopausedoctor.co.uk, or you can download our free app called Balance, available through the App Store and Google Play.